listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, New Chapel. Welcome to part three of our series that we're calling Just Getting Started. New Chapel is turning 10 in just a matter of weeks and uh, by the way, yeah, absolutely. Make plans. Uh, we're gonna we turn ten on the twenty second of the month, but that's not a Sunday. And so on the seventeenth of September, it's gonna be a big party here at New Chapel. And when we don't know what to do, it's like food and inflatables. And so it's gonna be a, a riot after church. You don't want to miss any of that. Uh, last week we made a big announcement. If you missed it, you missed half your life. And that announcement is that we are going to be going to three services here at New Chapel. Come on, somebody. Yeah, so here's the good news. Everybody has to choose a different service because your 9 and 11 just got done blown up. And so uh, we're moving them a half an hour apart and putting a 10 o'clock service in the middle. So it's 8.30, 10 o'clock and 11.30. That's starting the week after Labor Day. And so our church has grown through the summer. People are wrapping up vacation season right now, the last moments of good weather in Grand Rapids, in Michigan. Uh, At the same time, we know that we've grown. We've seen the growth. We've seen people get involved. And so after Labor Day, instead of getting bum-rushed and running out of chairs, we have made room for people to be able to connect with God. And so make sure that you bring people out on September 10th. Uh, This series has been about a code, a distinctive that New Chapel has been built on, and also that if you build your life on, you will be successful, God will bless you, and it's not really so much about like us doing what we want to do and be like, God, can you bless this? It's more about finding out what God is blessing and trying to position ourselves under that. Can I hear an amen, somebody? And so what we've said about these distinctives, this code, these values that we have is that we are called to build our lives on a series of solid truths from God's word, that God's word has truth in it. And what we have to do is mine out what he has said and really build a family, build a home, build a personal life, build a church based on these values. And we've brought out so many over the course of the series. If you've missed any, go to newchapel.com slash watch. Uh, today, I think, is going to build really on last week more than anything. But I want to show you the concept. It's, it's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me through to Matthew 5. I want to read the words of Christ for us. This is what he says. He says that you, everybody say you. You are the world's light, a city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. He says, don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus is saying that you have his light in you, and now you're the light to the world. What you do, how you live how, how you walk in this world, it's going gonna, it's gonna to show this world Jesus, and they're going to bring glory to your God. And so the purpose of the church, and I'm talking about the church all around the world, it really shouldn't be all about the current church. And, and, and we don't have to make the discernment. We can take care of our people, and we can also be focused on the people that are outside of these four walls. We can be a light to them. Are you with me? And so the title of today's message, the value that I want to emphasize today is that we are a church that empowers people. 
Last week, we said that we want to build a big people. This is true, and that talks a lot about discipleship. This is something more. This is empowering you to do great things. Because we believe God created you on mission. God created you to show your light to this world. And we are a church that is on the move. We are a church that's on mission. We want to make a difference. And what's amazing about that statement is you think that it's like that's very commonplace, Pastor Joe. 80% of the body of Christ in America, they have no idea what their mission is. And so we have to understand that we have, we have a part to play in understanding what that mission is. We need to be empowered to reach it, empowered to let our light shine. I heard one guy say, he says, well, well listen, uh, we just don't feel like we need to grow our church. And my response to that would be this, bummer for all the lost people in your city. Well, we just came together, and we're just going to praise the Lord, and if they want to come, they can come. We just want to love on him. Okay, if you want to love on God, you need to love what he loves, and he loves people. He so loves the world, and, and so we can't just be about our comfort, about our seats, about guarding our little camp. Christianity, the church, New Chapel, you are not a country club. You are a hospital for sick people. Are you with me? Now, this is prophetic. And I want to read this for you because this is in the Old Testament, but it's talking really about the born-again Christian, about the people of God. It says this in Isaiah 60. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Glory, it, it means that the full weight of God, it's rising on you. He says, See, Darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over its peoples. Well, yeah, God, we're seeing that. But he says, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory, the the weight of his glory, his presence, his power, it appears over you. Nations will come to your light. Well, wait a second. It's your light. God says, yeah, right. I'm in you, Christian. They'll come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And and, and we need to realize that darkness is not something new. The things that you see in the news, the things that you are hearing about at schools, the darkness that we're seeing, the moral decay that's evident in our culture, these types of of, uh, degradation, it is not new. This has happened before in culture, and God has constantly said to the people of God, perfect, arise, shine. Like you're going to shine brighter because it's dark. Not in spite, like you can't be intimidated by dark things. And, and what God is saying is, I want you to see yourself is part of the solution here. I want you to see that though this world is in chaos, this should not surprise you. This is something that the people of God have been dealing with for a long time. Now, this is a radical thought for me to share in Western Michigan, really in America, But there are many Christians, many churches that only believe there are two groups. And here's what they believe. They believe that there's the congregation and the man of God. The revered one himself. Oh, reverend. Come on, preacher. You know what I'm saying? They they think there's two groups altogether. I've heard people call me the man of the cloth. Because they came from a church where their preachers wore funny collars and had long robes on, and you're a man of the cloth. I've heard them call me a clergy, a clergyman. Anybody ever heard somebody called a clergyman? You know, those terms aren't in the Bible. 
In fact, it comes from a time where the whole thing was rigged against the people, and they kept the people of God illiterate. And there was a literate hierarchy of preachers, and they would read. They were, they were reading the Bible. They were issuing documents. They were doing, if you will, clerical work, kind of like what you think a secretary might do, clerical work. And they were called clerics or clergy. That's where it all came from. Absolutely ridiculous. Can't find it anywhere in your Bible. And they came up with a whole, these brainiacs are smart. They came up with a whole term for you. They call you the laity, the layman. Y'all laying down on a preacher, you know? <laughs> Again, it's not found in the Bible at all. And, 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 and you'd say, well, Pastor Joe, today it's completely different. We, 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 we can read, sure. Today it's completely different. You can read, but you still want me to read the Bible to you. <laughs> and, and what we have to realize is that these two groups, this is not a construct of God. He does have his leaders, his men that lead his church and ministries. This is true, and I'm not diminishing that. But the thought that you are, are inept, the thought that you cannot be empowered to, to make a difference, to make a change, that you can't pray and see heaven move, that you can't seek God or hear from Jesus yourself, this is not true. Arise, shine. The glory of God wants to fall on you today. Amen, somebody? Are y'all with me? You're not, you're not, listen to me, looking at the only minister here at New Chapel. I am not the only minister here. In fact, God has called you to be a minister. I want to show it to you, but I want you to think of this in first person. Write this down. You need to realize that you are a minister. Write it down. I am a minister. I am. Say it in first person. That's who you are. That's who God has created you to be. For too long, the church has done it completely backwards from what the Bible conveys. Many churches have the congregation doing the leadership, and they have their pastors doing all the ministry. You show me that in the Word of God, and my jaw will hit the floor. Because after, like literally, years and years and years... Uh, it's 10 years of being a senior pastor. From my study of the Word, it ain't in there. You can't find that being the case. The Bible shows us actually the people of God ministering, and it shows the pastors, the leaders leading. So what do we need to do? We need to have the, the, the people stop leading and begin to minister, and we need your leaders to start leading and stop doing all the work. Amen, somebody? It's what we're called to do. God has a call on you just as much as me. Ministry in the Bible, it's actually a nursing term. It's, it's actually serving to the needs of a hurting person. It's, it's aiding them in a time of need, bringing help and healing to a hurting person. Arise and shine. That's, that's the light that God needs you to give. In fact, Peter puts it so directly. He says that you are a chosen people. He says a royal priesthood. That's you. You didn't know that about yourself. I was raised Baptist, and, and honestly, keep that scripture up there for a second. Y'all look at me. I thank God I was raised Baptist. Let me tell you why. They made us act right, and they made us memorize scripture. And if you didn't know, we came up with a cute little acrostic for Baptist, B-A-P-T-I-S-T, and the P in the word Baptist stands for the priesthood of all believers. In other words, there is one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. And so if you're thinking you need to come to me to answer your deep prayer that I've got some in with God that I can like, you know, we've had people like planning a wedding before and they're getting ready to get married and they're like, you know, Pastor Joe, hey, the weather isn't looking great today. We need you to, what? <laughs> we need you to, 
look, I'm in sales, not in management. I can't change the weather. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I can pray and change the weather, you can change and pray. You know what I'm saying, everybody? And so throw that scripture back up there, guys. It says that, that, that you are a royal priesthood. First Peter chapter 2. Throw that back up there. A people belonging to God, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out. You're being called out today by God and by me. He called you out of this darkness. Here's the theme again. It's always tied to you being empowered. Out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Do you see it? So you're not just called out of darkness and then like, oh, this is perfect. I now have a tanning bed. No, it's that the tanning bed's in you. Now you've got fiber optic hair and hair. you look like that little Santa people put in their yard at Christmas time. Just light is coming out of you. Say amen, somebody, okay? (laughs) What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying you're a minister, but I'm not only saying that. Write it down. I am a minister, and you have a, write it down, specific purpose. You're a minister with a specific purpose. You have a role. Now, the amazing thing about God is God God is wonderful. God is love, and and he had all of the gifts. Jesus, on, on, on him, he had all of the gifts and talents of the whole world, but he disperses all of the gifts and talents on all of his, his people, his body, the body of Christ. He gives it to all of us. So, so now there's no one person who has all of the gifts. You might have a pet preacher that you really like, and they're up there eating that microphone. You know, they're discipling the sound system, you know, and you think they have every gift in the world. They do not. You have something they do not have. So God puts gifts and he disperses them on all of us. Not everybody should do outreach. I mean, once a year we do a serve day, you should do that because that's what Christians do. But some of you are fairly awkward with like, like street outreach and things. It just, it doesn't work for you. It's not, it's not your vein. Some of you are excited about singing, but you couldn't sing your way out of a wet paper bag. You're, I see that hand. May I have another? I see that hand. I'm just telling you, like, you, he gave gifts to his people, and it's, it, not every person has every gift. And so here's the exact stat. This is from the Barna Group. 87% of people who go to church today do not know their specific purpose. 87%. Could you imagine if my body had 87% not working properly? I mean, I'd be crippled. I'd probably be dead. That's the truth. And by the way, when I die, I'm going to donate my body to science, science fiction. Uh, But like, (laughs) there's other things that could go wrong is what I'm saying. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And if that goes wrong... If 87%, you're not going to be alive. If your lungs operate at 87%, if if 87% of your organ... And so this is why I think so much of the church worldwide is impotent, is ineffective, and is not making a difference, is because they don't think that they're a minister, they they think it's just for me, and they don't think they have a specific role. But Ephesians 2 says this, we are God's... I'm trying. We are God's workmanship... (laughs) Created in Christ Jesus. Jesus, come back in the room. We are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to, say it with me, to do. Now, you're not saved by good works. Get that out of your head. I'm not trying to even convey that in the slightest. But you are saved to good works. This is true. You have a specific thing that God has called you to do. And oh, by the way, that thing, he had that thing for you before you were ever born. When you were born, God didn't go, oh my gosh, call a meeting of the Trinity. 
what are we, what do we have from this guy? I mean, Pastor Joe, I was born in the backwoods, everybody, the, the hills of Nuego. And he wasn't like, oh, oh, Holy Spirit, you know, <laughs> Holy Spirit come, you know. No, he had the thing for me before I was ever born. And he had that thing for you before you were ever born. Do you know that? Do you believe that? He created you. So you're not one in a million, write it down. You're one of a kind, totally different. You're not rare. You're the only one. And you have something you can contribute in this world. Say amen, somebody. So I'm a minister with a specific purpose. Write it down. You need to realize you're here at an opportune time, at the best time that you could. Of all the times in all of human history, God saw it fit to place you here, that you would be born here into this world, in the here and now. I've often thought about God's perspective about my life or maybe how he thinks about the church. And I just wonder, you know, in my holy imagination, if God's like, what are you waiting for? I mean, you've been born in America, okay? You weren't born in Russia. I got that going for you, you know? I mean, that's great. You're handsome, my gosh, you know? And... (laughs) You're born in 2023. I mean, you can count your steps on your watch. I mean, like, what do you want? I've call in your life. Go out there and do something great. You're an absolute comfort. Like, go and do it. You have entertainment that's before you that was reserved for royalty, oh, a hundred years ago. And, and like, what are you waiting for? And so some people, they think, oh, Pastor, I just wish I was born in the past. And from a person that felt that way for most of his life, let me just help you. Stop romanticizing the past. You can like old school music. You can be old-fashioned, of which I am. Old people are my spirit animal, okay? But you, you got to get this thing out of your mind that your life would have been easier if you were born and, and lived during the more boppy time in American history. Well, Pastor Joe, the world is, is going to hell. The world is awful. It's, it's utter chaos that we see in the streets, Okay. I'm glad that I live in a time where there may be utter chaos in the streets and I have the only answer that works. I've got the thing that that, that can take people in all kinds of culture, societies, and all kinds of moral decay, and it has brought Christians or the people of God through the hardest times in human history, and it works, and it makes this incredible light to the world. Stop romanticizing the past. Stop stop thumb-sucking about hell. Whoop hell. I want to say whoop it and it's King James donkey, but it's too progressive for Western Michigan. <laughs> Ephesians 5. <laughs> In fact, speaking of it, be careful. <laughs> careful. Be very careful then how you live. Think about this, Christian. This is written to you. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. Another translation says, not as the fool, the foolish people. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What's evil about the days? It's August already. I'm just psyching myself up for summer. Anybody else with me? Like, it's like, yes. Let's, what? Back to school? Okay. Like, you have to be a person that redeems the time. And then in that passage, when it is talking about making the most of every opportunity, another translation says redeeming the time, King James says, that word there is kairos. It is really talking about a window of opportunity. Think about how you might like, Lift your windows up at your house. Just like, is it muggy out? You know, that's your life. Bible says it's a vapor. It's there a minute and it's gone. And within your life, there's these kairos moments where it's like, 
This is, this is your time. You're going to do anything or not? Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit will not contend with man for long. In other words, you know there's been seasons where God has dealt with you about something, and maybe you didn't listen, and it goes away. It lifts, but then it might come back another season. I'm telling you, you have to seize those moments in your life and redeem the time, these windows of opportunity to make a difference. You're at the right time. If you like extra homework, Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, the Bible says that God determined the exact time and place that you would live. Well, why do you do that, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked. Write it down. It's to make an eternal difference. So you are a minister with a specific purpose, and you're here at an opportune time, but it's to make an eternal difference. So like not all good deeds are the same. They don't have the same weight. They don't have the same value. They're they're not created in the same way. This might be harsh. In fact, this is harsh, but I have to say it. If you feed the whole world, but they go to hell, you lost. So we don't do humanitarian aid for the sake of humanitarian aid. We do it in Jesus' name, and we do feed people in Pakistan and other places. Like We are active with the gospel in humanitarian ways, but it is not the same as, as feed the children. Does that make sense? And I believe in feed the children, mine, okay? But, but with this, <laughs> you, you have to realize that good deeds aren't all the same. You have to do it in a certain way. We are called as Christians to do good deeds, yes. To do good works, yes. But to do it to populate heaven. Let me show you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Bible says this, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw... It's very, very telling. It's kind of a haunting scripture. His work will be shown for what it is because the day, capital D there, don't forget that, will bring it to light. Very next uh, verse here, it's not in your notes, but it talks about how you'll be rewarded according to what you've done. And some of it is wood, hay, and stubble. In other words, when the fire of of this life review that you're going to face, this judgment with God, when the fire hits, gold lasts, Precious stones last, right? There's things that last, and then there's wood, hay, and stubble. And here's what I don't want to have happen. I don't want to live my life with no direction and get to that day, judgment day, the day that I stand before my God, and have that be the day that I find out what actually mattered about my life or if my life mattered. And friend, you don't want that either. And so what do we do, Pastor Joe? Redirect everything that you're doing to make an eternal difference. Everything. Everything about the way you raise your kids. Everything about how you're doing your job. Albeit secular. You don't have to run off and join the circus. Like, the circus can find you, believe me. <laughs> you, you can get messy. You can get into people's lives. You can love on people and bring eternal difference wherever you are. Now, would you put that slide on the screen? I, I want to have this up here, and I want us all to read this out loud, aloud, aloud, so not a soft. You with me? Ready? Read. I am a minister with a specific purpose at an opportune time to make an eternal difference. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Scattered applause. Let me convince you. I want to give you a couple truths from God's Word. Three points, and then I want to give you a truth at the end that I think is going to tie it all together. This is going to help those of you that are analytical people to be able to review things, but also help those of you that have a little bit of more of an essence for what God is doing. Uh, and so I want you to know I have an agenda. Surprise. 
I'm not here just to give you something to do on Sunday morning. And in fact, I can't. Not when the world is going to hell. Not when we see the evil in the news or in our schools. Not when the Lord says, arise and shine. And so I have an agenda. I want to do something, but it's only going to happen if you see yourself as a minister. Well, Pastor Joe, I thought that whole ministering thing was on you and the church staff. Y'all look at me. Nope. In fact, let me show you in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. So there's the gifts of God. Those are in you. Those are his gifts and talents and abilities, right? There's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those happen as he wills. But there's gifts of Jesus, right? These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles. Another church calls it missionaries. They don't believe in apostles, but they made up their own office, and they're okay with that. The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Here it is. I'm a pastor. What's your responsibility, Pastor Joe? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Rut-row, like, you see it? Well, that's what we hired you to do. We need you to be the country doctor pastor and show up at the house and pray. I get into a fight with my wife. I need you on speed dial. You know, like, on contraire, my friend. I am here, and I have a specific gift, something God gave me, where I can unlock things in your spiritual journey. I can show you next steps. I can, I can it's a gift of God, be able to equip you, by God's grace, to see those next steps and take them. And not just sit on your blessed assurance. You know what I'm saying? You need to see that God has called you to more, and it's my responsibility to show you that. So I'm... I'm not going to run the play. I'm coach. Does it make sense? I'll run the play. I'll do things that Christians do, but I do them because I'm a Christian. But my role as your pastor is to equip you to do it. So my job isn't to minister, it's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Did you hear it? You're the minister. I'm not. I'm coach. I'm team leader. I'm pastor. I get it. I'm going to hear from God for this church. I have white hot vision of where we're going and moving forward. And that's what you want a coach to have. But I have to equip you. And if we build it like so much of the American church or Western Michigan has, and it's all on me, let me just tell you something. It will fail. Mark it. We'll have a short-lived season of prosperity until it bottoms out because I am one person. But if we together, if you could realize and see that God is calling you and me and that together we can make a difference. Well, I'm not perfect. I messed up. That's everybody. We can make a difference together. Amen? Okay. How? Glad you asked. So I am a pastor. I want you to do four things. I want you to know God. I want you to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Today, I want to help you to discover purpose. Number one, write this down. How do you find your calling, your purpose, where where God wants you to minister? Start by examining your gifts and your passions. Your gifts and your passions. I want you to find that thing in your life that fires you up. And then I want to help you. We want to help you. We want to show you how you can use the thing that you're into to be able to minister to other people. Use that into ministry. Romans chapter 12, the Bible puts it this way. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, use it. If it is serving, serve. Teaching, let him teach. Encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it's leadership, let them govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Look at how this works. Starts with gifts. 
And by the way, that's where New Chapel is. We never put people in a spot just because we have a need. We have a spot. We need to fill in this blank. We want to find out what your gifts and talents are, and we want to put you in a spot that's going to help you to be able to use your gift and let, it, let you do it. Let them, let them, let them, let them do it. That's the goal here. Does that make sense, everybody? That word gifts that we just read, it is the Greek word charis. It's where we get the word charismatic from. So if you're like, Pastor Joe, are we a charismatic church? If you're meaning that we believe in the giftedness of every Christian, yep. We believe you have a gift, you have a a call of God that you need to use using that gift. And this is a divine ability and gift from God. It's your thing that, that God has called you to do. And it's not, note this, it is not just the thing that you're passionate about. It's the thing that you're also good at. So my wife, she likes to watch those like uh, singing shows where they're trying people out. And inevitably, there's somebody that goes up there and they can't sing at all. It's awful. I mean, it's horrifying. I have to turn the channel when it's on. It's so embarrassing. I can't take it. Like, I have a sickness and I've had it my entire life. I have to call out the elephant in the room. I can't not do it. And so when those people, I'm thinking, do they have, not have friends? I mean, and then they, they interview their mom after. I don't know what the people were talking about. Well, I can tell you what they're talking about. Your kid is awful at singing, you know? And so it can't just be something you're passionate about. You think you sing like Whitney Houston, but you're singing in the car with the volume up, okay? Other people have to say to you, you sound just like Whitney, okay? That's how we know it's a gift and it's a passion. Y'all with me, everybody? Don't be afraid to sing. I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, do it right. Okay. (laughs) And here's where I'm going, is that this church shouldn't just look like me. It should look like you. There's things God has called you to do. There's, there's things that matter to you. There's a group of ladies, all of which had a different interaction in their life, some of which have suffered abortion. They've come to me, and they're very excited about starting a pro-life ministry here at New Chapel. We defeated the uh, ungodly ruling called Roe versus Wade. That's great, but then, you know, the demons in Lansing <laughs> came up with a proposal right away and bamboozled everybody, and so we live in a state where it's legal. So what now? Do we just go back to the political front? Let me just tell you something. I'm all about that, but, but hear me when I say the law has never changed anybody's heart. How in the world did it pass again if it is so evil? Tells me we got to change people's heart. And so these group of ladies, they came to me. They're like, we have ideas. And I said, great, yes, and what about this idea? And they're like, high five. And now we're spiraling upwards, but it's because of the gift of God in them, and God's going to give you something like that. It might be as simple as serving in the kids' team. It might be like you coming up with your own thing, but God wants to use you, and this church should look like you, not just me. Number two, Pastor Joe, how do we find our specific calling? You're going to have to learn to leverage your experiences. There's things that you have faced in your life that you've gone through that other people have not, and what you need to do is is let that thing that you've gone through be something that you can help someone else with, that you can teach them. You can lend to them and and use it to reach other people. Romans chapter 12. This is Paul, and this is uh, New Living Translation, but he says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Do you see it? that he wants to use what you've gone through. 
I came from a divorced home. I came from the city that I came from. I came from uh, a a background where my mother was an alcoholic. I'm able to use those things and relate to people. You maybe went through a wonderful household, had a great parent, had a great dad, mom and dad. You're able to leverage that and, and, and minister to other people through it. Does that make sense, everybody? God wants you to use your experiences, and he wants you to do it relationally. Well, that's going to happen, sure, a little bit on Sunday morning, but one of the best ways that you're going to be able to actually use that gift is going to be in a small group, and I'm happy to say that next week our small group's fair is going to begin. So today uh, and yes, uh, I'm sorry, last week it was our uh, team up, our go team fair, uh, next week and the week after is going to be a fair all about our groups, and there are many groups, things that you're interested in. So we have a Revelation, Book of Revelation group. We've got uh, different men's groups. We have a serving group, all kinds of different topics that you find interesting. There's different book studies. And here's what we want you to do. Sign up for one so you can get in relationship. And it really doesn't matter to me where you go. I would love it if New Chapel had more groups that involved biking and running. Of course, this church does look a little bit like its pastor in that way. I'm thinking like run for fun. It still doesn't compute, but if you're a runner, start a group in Jesus' name because it's more important to me that you get around other Christians who can encourage you and pray for you and be there for you. And, and the idea is that you'll get in relationship with someone enough to share some of the things that you've gone through or how God has helped you or gotten you out of a mess in the past. Number three, got to press on. How do you find your specific calling? Number three, you need to investigate what you value and why you value it. What is important to you? So there's going to be things that stand out to you that might not stand out to someone else. And it's not that they disagree with you on it or they, they think that you're false. It's just that they don't emphasize that truth. Let, let me show it to you out of 2 Corinthians 13. Bible says this, we cannot oppose the truth. So there, there is a the truth. doesn't change, not wavering. doesn't change with culture. It says we always stand for the truth. But the standing is where I find people have different emphasis. So I just told you about a group of ladies that they stand for the unborn, right? But I agree with that. And at the same time, I emphasize more outreach and developing leaders. So I have my thing that God has given me. I value that because I feel like if you develop leaders, those leaders are going to start your unborn thing. Those leaders are going to start your small group ministry. Make sense? So I have values and you have values. To one person, it it stands out, we need to feed the hungry. It it means a lot to me that we go out and we reach homeless people. To another person, you'd say, Pastor Joe, I, I love evangelism. We need to reach people, but we're not discipling them. We're not helping them to grow. You might have a different emphasis than the person next to you. And it's not that you're not all on the same page. It's that you have a stand in your life. Here's what I found. And you can apply this maybe to passion. You can apply this to values. How do you know what you value or what you're passionate about? It might be the thing that turns you on that you get excited about. It also might be the thing that makes you angry. When you hear about it, you just want to spit. I can't believe that it, that might be an indicator to something you value. Now, going down that rabbit hole is something that we want to help you with. Because you'll go and, and you'll examine these things, but we have a system. And so New Chapel Connect is our way to be able to help you discover your gifts and talents and be able to apply them. And New Chapel Connect is something that happens during every weekend service here at New Chapel. Uh, It's happening right now during church. It's in a classroom that's on the other side of this wall. 
And it'll be happening next service, during service. We do that for a reason. We want you to be able to come to church and be able to go to this class and have child care if you need it. And so New Chapel Connect, Partnership 1, that's the first part of it. There's only two parts, Partnership 1 and Engagement 2, okay? Partnership 1 starts next week. If you have never gone to New Chapel Connect, I just want to personally invite you to come. And so if this is your normal service, maybe come to the service, but then plan to stay during the 11 o'clock. Or if maybe you want to go to that class, you can attend the 11 o'clock. But but here's the big idea. Find out what God has gifted you to do. Examine these different things and begin to put them together. And then ultimately, use them. So again, I have an agenda up front. I want you to join the team here at New Chapel. Because I do believe that there's something about your faith you will never understand. Until you're serving someone who can't pay you back. And so when you leave this room, you're going to be handed a team-up card. There's team-up fair locations all over the church. My encouragement to you today is to sign up for a team, join the GO team, serve with other people, and you will find that is your favorite service to attend because that is worship. Amen, somebody? What does this all look like, Pastor Joe? So glad you asked. For my analytical people... You need to see where gifts and passions and experience and values all intersect. They all come together. Throw that slide up there, guys. Do you see? Your calling is somewhere in the middle of all of that. Your calling is not your past, but God's going to use your past. He's going to leverage you. I hate what happened to me. He wants to, to like, repurpose it. It's the Bible word, redeem. And he wants to have your, your passions, your heart desires be shown, the thing that you are excited, but it also has to be something that you're gifted, spiritually gifted, and you have the ability to do. And it's also going to be something that you actually know, you value it. You're like, I see where this is going to make a difference. Now, all of that is awesome. But if you don't approach it spiritually, you're going to miss it. So these things are great, but, but calling is spiritually discerned. And that's the last thing I want to share with you today. You want to discover your purpose. Here's where this whole message is headed. You need to encounter God. That's what you need. Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, Christianity, whether men or women, He might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around him. Saul is having this spiritual moment with God. Jesus is is basically intercepting him as he's going. He thinks he's serving God and he's not. And God is giving him this this moment, this lights-on moment. And I never saw the light, so to speak. I saw it much brighter than that, I will say. But here's what happened. It was a suddenly moment. So Saul fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why thou persecutest me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And he replied, get up. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Saul thinks that he's serving God. Saul thinks that he's making a difference. Saul thinks that he's taking ground, but he's not. And what Jesus does is he sees the heart of this guy and also sees the action. He weighs it. This is the equivalent, by the way, of Lil Nos X. 
getting born again and becoming our nation's next Billy Graham. It is someone who is threatening and, 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 and literally executing Christians, executing them. And God flips the script on this guy, calls him in a spiritual moment, in a suddenly moment, in what would take hours and hours and really the rest of Saul, now Paul's life to unpack, God ministered to him in a moment. And that is my prayer for you today. That you would encounter God. I'm not talking about in some weird way or you having some interpretive spirit dream with you seeing a carnival ride and not knowing what it is. That's, that's the baby food festival. You know, I mean, it's, but I do want you to see God's call. It's not about seeing the flashes of light. It's about seeing it. And you can do that with my little diagram and pray and be like, God, I see these things now minister to me. Or God can flip the whole script. He can pancake it all and he can minister to you in a moment. And then you can be like, well, that fits, that fits, that fits, and that fits. But here's the big idea. Write it down. God created you on purpose for a purpose. I had a moment like that at Northland Baptist Bible Camp in Dunbar, Wisconsin. Steve Pettit, who's now the president of Bob Jones University, was preaching a message. And the first night of camp, he preached for salvation, giving your life to Christ. But the last night of camp, he preached a message about giving your life to Christ. But it wasn't for salvation. It was giving your life. Whether you sell insurance, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a businessman or a preacher or a missionary, to give your life to Christ. And I remember I was the first one down. We had a tradition in the Baptist circles where we'd march down there and we'd shake the Baptist preacher's hand. And, and, and it was a very dramatic moment for me. Later that night, we slept in teepees. It was fun. It was camp. And so anyway, we went back to the TP, and uh, they said, oh, Joe, just God really moved on you. We saw you were just weeping on your way down. And I said, listen, it wasn't for noble causes. I just did not want to shovel elephant dung in Africa as a missionary for the rest of my life. And so I knew I was called very young, but went back to a secular life. It wasn't until June 4th, 2004, the summer before my senior year, that I had an encounter with God. I went to a life-giving church and I rededicated and God changed everything. I was gonna go to Central Michigan or go to Kendall and be a designer and, and all of that faded away because I knew I had a call. Now flash forward, many, many years later, I had planted this church, things were hard and I was worshiping the Lord in my car and I was saying, God, I don't know what the deal is, what? Nothing's breaking, I need a break in the case. And God spoke to my heart. You say audibly, Pastor Joe, no, much louder than that. And he said, I'm not, I'm not done with you. At New Chapel, that's a word from God for you today. He's not done with you. Stop talking about throwing in the towel. Stop saying you're too old. He's not done with you. You are called on purpose for a purpose. God's not done with you. He hasn't forgotten you. You might have forgotten him in moments of your life. He's never forgotten you. You might have left him. He's never left you. He's not done with you. He didn't bring you this far just to dump you. God isn't through with you. He has a plan. You're called on purpose for a purpose. Listen, some of you are resisting this thought. Close your eyes just for a moment. Everybody, all play. You are called on purpose for a purpose. Hear that. Receive that. 
God's not done with you. God's not done with your marriage. God's not done with your calling. God has a plan for your kids. It's good and not evil. He has plans to give you a future and a hope. Stop giving up on yourself. Don't resist it. You are called on purpose for a purpose. You are a minister. With heads bowed and eyes closed just for the next couple minutes. I know that God is ministering, calling to your heart. For some of you, it's bubbling up something that you've put down so many times. Why don't you let that thing get some oxygen? Why don't you begin to feed that thing, that call that God has in your life? For some of you, you think, I don't have a call. You're like, I never heard it. I don't know what it is. You need to pray right now. In fact, just pray within your heart these words. God, speak to me. Show me what you'd have me to do. God has a call for you. Somebody's in here and you feel so analytical. You're like, I don't know. I feel things, but I don't know if my feelings, what other people's feel. The diagram helped you. It was, it was really life-giving for you. But listen to me. God wants to speak to you. Don't slap the hand of your God. That's what separates us. The Bible calls it in the New Testament that other religions, they have dumb idols. Dumb meaning they can't speak. Our God speaks. He's trying to communicate his love and his call to you in this holy moment. Receive it right now. You say, I'm too old. The gifts of calling and callings of God are without repentance. You're not too old. That's a stronghold. That's a lie. You're not too old. Hallelujah. God have your way. Now I know this. In a room like this, there's people in the sound of my voice and you don't know God. The only way to have peace with your God is through his only son, Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord means boss. It means that you're done being the God of your own life and you're saying, God, I give you control. If you mean that, you'll go to heaven and avoid a Christless hell. This is true. But the Bible makes it clear that eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you accept Christ. And if you're looking for peace and resolve in this world full of chaos, it's found on the other end of amen. Church, I want to pray this with people who are praying it for the first time. Would you pray it with me in support of them and as a declaration of your faith? Pray it out loud. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people who just accepted Christ. Louder than that, come on, somebody. Can I pray for y'all? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, love you guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. 
You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.